Welcome to the Health and Wealth Power Hour, the podcast provides you with the knowledge and insights you need to achieve physical, mental, and financial well-being. I'm your host, Arlen Pickett, a business consultant who's passionate about helping people achieve a more balanced and healthier life. Each week, we'll deep dive into topics related to health and wealth, including retirement income planning, innovative healthcare solutions, alternative funded health plans, and specific actions individuals and business owners can take to gain control of their finances, have access to affordable quality health care, and achieve peace of mind. We'll also be joined by innovative experts who will share their knowledge and insights on prevalent topics. So, whether you're looking to grow your wealth or improve your health, you've come to the right place. Get ready to be informed, inspired, and empowered. Let's get started. All right, and welcome again to the Health and Wealth Power Hour. I am your host, Harlan Pickett. Certainly appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to all things health and wealth, because what doesn't have to do with one or the other. We are super blessed today to have an incredible guest. How about this? A world record holder. Jen Drummond, who is a motivational speaker and the aforementioned world record holder. Also author of a new book that's coming out in January of 2024 and has her own podcast as well. Lots of things to talk about. An incredible story that you have. Jen, welcome aboard the Health and Wealth Power Hour. Oh, thank you so much for having me here today. Before we got started today, we had a short conversation and really I wanted to kind of hear from you what your journey's been like. Well, I've read a little bit about what you've done. I think it was even more impactful to hear it in your own words. Uh, You took a different route than a lot of people do, but there was not, you, you weren't, you didn't get there kind of all on your own. You got there because you were given a little nudge. So talk a little bit about what your mindset was before the nudge and after the nudge. Yes, 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 yes. So it's interesting. The nudge um, (laughs) happened in December of 2018. And two months prior to this accident, I got was recommended a book called The Surrender Experiment. And so I read it. And then I spent time journaling on the word surrender, because to me, the word had always meant to give up or to quit or to not pursue. And it just had such a negative energy in my mind. Well, by the time I was done reading this book and journaling through this word for a couple of months, I realized that surrender really is a superpower and allows you to get into the flow of life. And it's interesting because I get into this horrific car crash. And I watched the tail end of a semi-trailer come encounter with my passenger seat headlamp. And the minute that happens, I'm like, am I going to die? Right. I start negotiating with death instantly. And I get this message that you're going to have to surrender to survive. I'm like, okay. So I put my hand on the steering wheel. I put my head on the headrest. And I remember thinking, I just need to relax and roll with the car because I'm not going to be able to overpower what's going to happen. And so I go one rollover, two rollover, three rollovers. And after these end over end rollovers, I have enough momentum to start spinning sideways. So I do about eight sideways rolls and end up upside down in the median. 
And I just remember thinking, okay, Hollywood's trained me. Another car's coming. I'm going to get hit. Thankfully, I didn't. Instead, an individual came running towards the car, peeled back the windshield and was like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I remember looking at his face thinking, I don't think I'm okay based on your facial expression. <laughs> oh my goodness, I don't even want to look. And so I couldn't look, to be honest with you. So I closed my eyes and I wiggled my fingers and toes. And I remember thinking, I can feel my fingers and toes. I can feel my fingers and toes. I'm going to be okay. And the ambulance came, took me to the hospital. I was discharged on that same day. Wow. Went home to my house. And just wasn't that surreal part of life for a while, like probably three to six months where everything was just magic, right? Like there was no right, there was no wrong, there was no bad, There, it just is. Like everything just is and you just are in awe that life is. And I got a call a few weeks after the accident from the police and the police are like, we've tried to rebuild this accident at least 50 different times. And we cannot build a scenario where you walk, let alone where you walk away. And I'm like, yeah, I know. it's crazy. So the accident was the line in the sand, right? I mean, I was definitely that person that was hustling and grinding. And if you needed me to do something, I'd do it twice as fast, twice as hard, twice as whatever, right? Because if one's good, double's better and da, 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 da. And that's not a way to live, right? I mean, it's a way to get to success, but I think there's other ways to get there as well. And I was starting to burn out and starting to get exhausted and just really wasn't thriving in my life. And that's why I was looking for other things. And then the accident woke me up like, hey, guess what? You you surrendered and you survived. That is absolutely amazing that they couldn't even recreate it, right? There was, there was no scenario that you could come up with that you survived, much less you just walked away with bumps, bruises, and scratches, I'm sure. Right, right. I mean, minor, minor, minor things comparatively. I mean, my car looked like a tin can that got crushed and like, it was just bizarre. And then on top of that, like, I think timing in our life is so significant. I had a girlfriend go for a run and she'd actually asked me to join this run for her this day. And I'm like, I can't, I got to get the kids to school and I have stuff going on. And she's like, okay, it was a little wet out. And hours later, her husband called me and said that she didn't come home. She was running on a trail that we could push a stroller and she slipped, hit her head and is, is done. And I wow. just remember being like, how, how do I survive this horrific car crash? And she do something healthy that we're encouraged to do. And she doesn't live and I do live. And it was just something I wrestled with for a while. And I came to the conclusion that I don't get to choose when I die. But I sure get to choose how I live. How you live, absolutely. Right? And so like being conscientious of like the choices I'm making are the choices I'm making for the life that I want to live. And I have a choice of how that looks, feels, and shows up in my life. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of times we feel we can control, you know, the, the, old, the old saying, right? Don't worry about what you shouldn't worry about, right? I mean, there, you can't control everything. But what you can control is your mindset. And that's what was actually in your way, right? Your way, you, what was in your way was you weren't surrendering. Your mindset, the grind, the grind, the grind, the, you know, the push, the push, the push, all of those things, your mindset was not where it needed to be. Exactly. 
a hundred percent. Or my mindset was in that operating system and I was really good at it. And I didn't allow other parts of myself to show up. And, and I mean, it went even further than the accident. I'm a mom of seven children wow. and it's crazy busy, but it's a different kind of busy at the different ages, right? When they were little and I had, you know, I funded Huggies, um, there was time that I was busy all the time. And then when they ended up going to school, it was like, okay, can I get back into something that gets me excited? But I was so afraid of not being there for them if they needed me. Right. I'm like, no, I need to always be ready. Like there's seven of them. Something's always going to happen. And there's a lot of stuff that happens. Right. <laughs> but it doesn't mean I needed to put my life on hold so that I could be at every beck and call need or whim that ever showed up. And I didn't know how to get out of that. Like I felt guilty for having a life and I felt guilty that I didn't want to be there 24 seven. And that accident really woke me up to the idea that, you know what, you can be a good mom and do these other things and do the business and do things that set your heart on fire and, 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 and was a big addition to my life after the accident. Yeah. So I think one of the things that I had had mentioned to you before we got started is there is this mindset. I believe many of us have that you have these seasons in life, right? That you have these seasons and there's not a lot that crisscrosses there. There's all of a sudden, here's the change. So I'm living through this period. And then once I graduate to the next season, I get to do this. And then, I, well, who says, right? right? Who says that you can't have some crossover? Who says you can't have some fun and live your best life through all the seasons? Who says you can't push them all together and right. be all of those things? I, I think that's exactly what your <clears throat> nudge gave you is the insight to realize what am I waiting for? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I, before I was afraid of what people would think, right? Like, what does this look like to others? What does society think? Blah, 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 blah. After that car accident, I'm like, I could care less what you think. You're going to die someday. I'm going to die someday. All this is going to be done. So whatever. I'm more afraid now of all the things I'm not going to be able to see, do, experience, or try. Right? Like, I want to go see the pyramids. I want to know what the ocean feels like in Australia. I want to eat a hot dog at a football game, right? Like there's these things that you just, before I felt like I needed to do them perfect or all the way to the end or be good at it. Now I could care less if I'm good at it or not. I just want to try it. That That is a great thought process, right? I, I want to have the experience. Yeah. I want to have the experience because there's really nothing quite like having experiences of, you know, I, I think that's what sets apart dreamers from doers, right? you got dreamers that dream of these experiences. you got doers that do these things and actually have the experience. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge difference. I think you you have to have some dreams to know what you're going to do, but then you've got to in turn take action on those. And that's where so many people get stuck. They get stuck because they keep waiting for the right season or the right time. You kind of turned that on its head and you said, well, the time is now. Time is now. Definitely. And I will say that when the accident happened in 2018, so 2019 was a big year of my bucket list. I started thinking again and getting curious about what do I want my life to mean? What do I want my legacy to look like? What do I want to experience? And so I have a bucket list. that's probably going to take four lifetimes to be able to complete if I had to be honest <laughs> with you. But mm. it at least like started putting things on paper. And when I looked at things on paper, I could be like, oh, you know what? These are things that I can do now. 
Like I can go climb a mountain now. I can go swim in the ocean now. Some of the art museums and pieces of art that I wanted to see, I can do that at my 90s. Like I don't need to be in super physical health to do that. So I started, did start breaking things into decades and saying, okay, the younger I am, the easier these activities are. The older I am, I guess what I can still do these activities. They might not be as easy as they were when I was younger, but they're still doable. So you prioritized. I mean, I wow, did. what a crazy idea. Let's put a bucket <laughs> list together, then let's prioritize. But you hit on something right there. I think it could have really hit somebody. You said mountain climbing. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that, huh? Let's talk about that mountain climbing. Yes, definitely. So I was looking at my list and in 2020, I was turning 40. So I decided I'm like, what am I going to do for my 40th birthday? And when I looked at all the things I compiled, one of the things that stuck out was climb a mountain. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to climb a mountain for my 40th birthday and launch this next decade. And so I had asked, I live in Park City, Utah. We're in the mountains. I had asked some friends that were into mountaineering, if you could climb one mountain and the whole world, what mountain would it be? And the general consensus was a mountain named Ama de Blom. Okay, all of you listening know Ama de Blom if you've seen a Paramount Pictures movie, because it's the mountain in their logo that the stars circle around. And it means the mother's necklace, it's located in the Himalayas. It sounded like this great opportunity. So I'm like, yeah, perfect. I'm gonna climb Ama de Blom. So I start training for Ama, and the beginning of 2020 happens. And if all of us can remember, COVID enters the scene. And so now I'm not training to travel anywhere because travel has been shut down. And in fact, so is school. So I'm a homeschool mom to seven amazing children. And I'm doing math with one of my kids one day. And I'm giving him the proverbial parent pep talk. Like we do hard things. You've got this. And he looks at me and he goes, if we do hard things, why are you climbing a mountain called I'm a dumb blonde instead of a real mountain like Mount Everest? I said, Ama de Blom, not I'm a dumb blonde. Oh, that's thank awesome. you, sweetheart. Yeah, I know, right? The mouth of babes. <laughs> oh. Out of the mouth of babes, right? <laughs> totally. So then I'm like, you know what? You finish your homework. We'll look at Everest. So he did and we did and he went to bed. And I still thought about Everest. I'm like, why not? If Everest is the hardest thing in the whole world to him, I'm going to show him that whatever our mountain is, physical or metaphorical, we can climb it. So I call a coach to get training for Everest. And he sends me a book about becoming an uphill athlete. And in the front of the book, a lady got a Guinness World Record for doing something in the Alps. And I just remember thinking, I could have done that. Like I could have done that. I can suffer. I get a world record. My kids would think I'm cool. They learned how to read on these books. And right now homeschooling, I'm not cool. There's zero cool things about this whole relationship I have going on with my children. And my coach kind of laughed and he took it as a challenge. He goes, I'll think of something. I said, okay, fine. But I'm not growing pumpkins, speed eating hot dogs, like growing fingernails. There's some weird things in that Guinness world record book. He's like, don't worry, don't worry, I'll come up with something. And a few weeks later, he calls me back and he's all excited. He's like, Jen, Jen, I have the perfect world record for you. I said, okay. He's like, I think you should be the first female to climb the seven second summits. And like you listening, I had no clue what he's talking about. Like, what are the, what, the seven, what? He's like, listen, listen, listen. 
He goes, the seven second summits are the second highest point on each of the seven continents. And it's been done by one male. It's harder than the first seven. You'd be the first woman to do it. And think about it, seven continents, seven mountains, seven children. It sounds like a jackpot. Like it kind of does, right? It kind of does. I haven't slept in a tent before overnight, but this sounds kind of exciting. <laughs> and so I said, yes, right? Like, let's try it. What do I have to lose? It hasn't been done by a female anyways. And so I started on the quest and the magic happened. And we're not, okay. So let's let's be clear. We're in October of 2023. Yeah. Your accident happened in 2018. That changed your mindset. You really didn't start this whole process training for mountain climbing as it were until 2020. And so all this, these climbs have happened in a three-year period. They have. So when, wow. when COVID was going on, um, it started like, country or countries started to open slowly. And so then I kind of started climbing based on countries that opened. Sure. And then also like mountains have certain climbing seasons, right? So you always climb Everest in May, you always climb K2 in July, just things like that. So I started in Ojo del Salado, which is located in the Atacama desert in Chile, because they opened first in December of 2020, ended up closing again, but we got in there for this window of opportunity to climb and then got out of there. So that was magic. And then in February of 2021, I went to climb Mount Kenya. After Mount Kenya, I went to go climb Everest because K2 was my next climb and K2 is way harder than Everest. So I wanted to see how my body did and at 8,000 meter peak, I wanted to understand some of the things that would go on with a mountain that high. So I did Everest first, had success, went to K2, did not have success. Um, I had a teammate pass away in an avalanche. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was hard, 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 hard. And when I was on the mountain, I was actually a day ahead of him because the mountain doesn't have a lot of places to put sleeping camp. So we looked at the mountain. I said, you know, what? I'll just go a day ahead and that will always leave an extra tent available for everybody else. And we got the call on the radio one morning. We were two days from the summit and I had the choice to either continue up the mountain or go back down and take care of my team. And I'm a firm believer in people over peaks, right? So I gave up my summit push and went down to help take care of my team. And it's interesting because I came home back to the U.S. and my kids came back from camp a couple of days later. And they're like, did you summit? Did you summit? I said, no, I didn't, but I had success. And they looked at me all confused. Like, what are you talking about? I said, I'm like, who we show up as people is way more important than anything we'll ever achieve. And I showed up as a person I'm proud of. I know the mountain will always be there. I took care of my team. And I can go back another year to summit. And they're like, okay. You know, they're kids. They're trying to make sense of it. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Unless it'll resonate one day, right? <laughs> it will re I'm like, I promise you, this is a good story. You just don't quite get it. But it is, it is. And then, you know, my yeah. friends asked, like, you know, about it. And I said, it's kind of interesting because the guy on my team that died was 67 years old and single and married to the mountains. 
And K2 is a savage mountain. Like National Geographic tells you it's a savage mountain that tries to kill you. I mean, it is a hard mountain. And if I was 67, single, doing what I loved and died, maybe that's not the worst way to go, right? I mean, maybe I, I think it's premature. He was pretty young. He was really fit. He was super amazing human. But we don't get to choose when we die. Back to the front of the conversation. Yeah, we do yeah. get to choose how we live. And he was living when he died. So there you go. Yeah, he was doing something he clearly loved, right? That was part of what that was him. Uh, yeah. That was that right. That was him. Uh, that was right. he he was he, you know, people can get mad at me saying this, whatever. He actually died in the arms of the mountain that he loved. So yep. that's uh I don't think I, I agree with you. I don't think that's uh necessarily a a terribly sad story there may be people that disagree with that but i don't think it's the work for him if he could have chose a way that very well could have been the way that he said yeah if i if i can if i can die in the arms of the mountain then that would be okay right exactly so where are you at on your quest at this point then i'm done can you believe it so, so i after another shot yeah. Um, so after K2, I went to Russia. Thank goodness. Let me tell you this Russia story. It was a nightmare. Okay. So even back in September of 2021, it was not easy to get into Russia as an American, but like things hadn't bubbled up to the point that they bubbled up. And I, Russia was this technical climb that you had to curate special gear to be able to climb and have everything work. And I remember ordering 20 pairs of gloves sending 19 pairs back so that I had the perfect pair for dexterity and warmth, right? Because you need your fingers to be able to do technical things, but they need to stay warm. And so it's this big balance. So I found that, I mean, this was like how much I put time into getting this all to work out. I land in Moscow and my bags are nowhere to be found. Like nowhere. I'm like, well, are they like back in Paris still? Or where are they coming? Like, we don't even know where they are. Oh, I was like, no. uh, okay. So the guide there is like, well, me, we must go. I'm like, what do you mean we must go? We're going to have to come back tomorrow. And he's like, no. He goes, you have a choice. You can go back to the U.S. and fly home. You can wait for your bags, but we're not waiting for you. Or you can join us and we'll go to a rental store and get gear. I'm, I'm like, I don't know what's worse right now. I've been in an airport for so many hours that if I hear one more intercom, I'm going to murder somebody. And if I go to a rental store, like a rental store, do you know how long I just curated all this gear to be here? Are you kidding me? So we go to a rental store and I don't know if anybody remembers, but everybody got outside during COVID, right? People who didn't hike, people who didn't do whatever. All of a sudden it was this new opportunity to be outside because you really could, that's what you could do. And so I go to this rental store. There's no stuff. Nobody's shipping like refills on backpacks or water bottles or boots or whatever because no one's manufacturing anything. So there's nothing. So I'm at this store and I have to rent a jacket where I have to roll up the sleeves. I have a backpack that I have to like tie so that it doesn't fall off my shoulders. I have boots that are too big. I look like Orphan Annie climbing this thing. I'm like, you know what? Whatever. If I don't summit, which at this point I'm like, well, we're not summiting. I'm at least getting knowledge, right? I'm collecting insight. I'm getting beta on what's going to happen. So when I come back, I know exactly what to do because there really wasn't a lot of notes on the internet of this mountain because it just hasn't been summited that many times. And 
most things are in Russian. They haven't converted it to English or whatever the reason was. And I just remember we get up to the mountain and by the luck of the universe, we summit. And then we come back down. My gear meets me at the airport the day I'm flying out. I'm like, oh, that's cute. That was funny, universe. Good <laughs> joke, right? And I just, like, it's an example. And I talk about it a little bit in my book of embracing imperfect starts. Like you climb this mountain in August and September. Russia closed down in March of the next year, right? Like they, like the whole Ukraine, Russian thing all ended up happening. We haven't been allowed back into Russia since. If I didn't do it then and just make work what I had, I wouldn't have the goal right now because I wouldn't have been able to complete that climb, which is a huge deal. So if you're listening and things aren't perfect or don't look exactly like you want and you're 19 pairs of gloves and all the things that went into whatever you're doing right now, let it be messy. Let it be in rental gear. Let it be what it is and just see how far you get. And you'll learn along the way at, at a bare minimum. I think that is absolutely excellent advice because there are so many people, entrepreneurs or even non, somebody who's maybe looking to make that change to be an entrepreneur away from corporate America or whatever. They're waiting for certain things, right? They're waiting for the cards to be played perfectly so they can make that transition, so they can, can take those steps. And I believe that that is one of the, I, I talk to a lot of folks and I believe that's one of the biggest things is they're waiting for things to fall perfectly. Yep. They, you know, they, they're like, well, I, you know, I can't do it right now because of this. I can't do it right now because of that. You had the absolute perfect reason not to do that climb. A hundred percent. And certainly you did not have any foresight that the whole world in Russia was going to turn upside down the next year and you would never get another opportunity. There's no way you could have known that information. But what a beautiful reminder that things don't have to be perfect, that, that like you said, things can be messy. And it's really all about your willpower, your mindset, and making the best out of whatever your situ situation is. Yeah, definitely. And so then my next climb after Russia was in Antarctica. Um, it was Mount Tyree. And this mountain was pretty spectacular because um, it really hasn't been summited that many times. I'm the second female to summit it. And at the time, I think it's been summited less than 20 people. I think still wow. to this day, it's been, I don't think they had any summits last year on the mountain. And I just remember it took five there's five of us that had to climb this thing together. So four guides and myself, which sounds ridiculous, but in Antarctica, you don't have helicopters, right? So if there's an accident on the mountain, it's us that have to help each other to get down. So you always needed like an extra person to be like, okay, if one person's injured, two to three people are carrying the injured person down. Like we are all like, you're always doing worst case scenario. How do we ensure ourselves against that? How do we ensure ourselves against anything that could go fatal? And um, Antarctica is a fascinating place to visit, right? You fly down there and this the, the weather has to be perfect because there's no runways. There's no control tower. There's no saying like, hey, land in, lift your nose or do whatever. So the pilots are landing based on their shadow on the ice to get their depth perception because wow. everything looks the same. 
So that was like a little crazy. We had to, all of our gear got sprayed off with antibacterial stuff. You had to step in antibacterial things to go because they didn't want you to bring like a bacteria down to the ice that might start eating the ice or something. I have no idea, but they're being very precautious. <laughs> Even when you go to the bathroom in Antarctica, you pack all of it out. They take all bathroom movements and um, bring it up to Chile and then get rid of it because they don't want to contaminate the environment, which is very interesting. Yeah. Um, we didn't have a lot of beta on the mountain, right? Because not that many people had climbed it before. So you're looking at their notes and you get to a spot in the mountain. You're like, okay, well, does this rock under snow this year? Did it roll down the mountain? Are we in the wrong way? Like, it was just very, like, that was interesting. And um, yeah, it was cool because I remember waking up on the mountain thinking, man, I'm so lucky to be here. If I would have been born when my mom or grandma were born, this wouldn't even be in the realm of possibility. And look where we are as a society. And I think so much we get caught up in these like big things that happen, right? Like these big movements, but really it's all these little day-to-day -day things that we do in our own corner of the world that make progress happen. And we see the big movements when we look over a big enough span of time, um, and it was just one of those key things for me, remembering that I'm so insignificant, yet everything I do is significant. And that's yeah. the same for everybody listening to this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, you know, we're part of the revolution in healthcare, uh, giving people access to healthcare has been a, a big part of what we, we do because our healthcare system is a mess in the United States and people have a hard time accessing that so we understand i mean I, I look at what you're you're doing in your mindset our mindset is is very much the same way it's hard and there's a lot of things that we do that require people to have a change of their mindset but i want to ask you about antarctica itself you know it's kind of interesting you went to antarctica and you climbed a mountain most yeah. people are just happy to go to antarctica in other words they just want the experience to go to Antarctica because it's such, as you kind of mentioned, such harsh conditions. Uh, there are very few places to even stay there. Yeah. My understanding is certain countries have certain areas that are under their control, as it were. What was your experience in that? What what country controlled the area that is where the mountain was? And did you have any difficulties in dealing with that? Yeah. So that's interesting. So nobody owns Antarctica, right? Everybody just has research stations in Antarctica so that everybody kind of has a claim to what is going on. Um, we stay like ALE, which is Antarctic Logistics and Exploration Expeditions. Um, they run all the expeditions in Antarctica that have to do with like skiing to the South Pole or climbing the mountains or doing different aspects like that. And they negotiate with everybody like, hey, are we still able to do this? And that's why we're so conscientious of like not leaving anything on the mountain and being respectful of everything and all those pieces. So there's a lot of logistics that go into it, which is why you work with a company like ALE to make it happen. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I was watching, uh, what, what do y'all, what do I watch? Dinosaurs, right? So I was watching a, a documentary about dinosaurs from, Antarctica, the, the different things that they found. And it was one of the things that was very interesting to me is kind of what you were talking about there, the logistics involved. 
and the researchers that are coming down there for that. Because that's not necessarily what most of the researchers down there are doing. They're not looking for dinosaurs. When So when you've got these paleontologists that are coming down there for that, there's a kind of kind of what to your to what you said you've kind of got get, get permissions and what's it going to look like and where do we get to go and where can we stay and it, i thought it was very interesting just in those steps so when you talked about going to antarctica i, I just i had to make an assumption that y'all had to deal with some of that so that that is very interesting though i had i had never heard about all the precautions of when you come in as far as the back antibacterial such and then you got to take everything with you that's that's pretty crazy. Yeah. 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 It's, it is. It's interesting. And you have to have health checks and all like you don't have hospitals down there, right? Like you yeah. don't have things. So it's just been an interesting experience. So after Antarctica, I went to Mount Logan, which is located in North America. So it's the second highest point it's in Canada. Denali, which is the highest point is in Alaska. Um, we went year in 2022 and did not summit, right? The weather was horrific. I'd been in Antarctica. I'd been to the top of Everest. I'd been like crazy places. And I had never been so cold as I had been in Canada, like not even close. And we just had terrible weather. And when you climb in Canada, this it's crazy. You, you get dropped off on the ice by a plane and then you set up a tent and then you have to build an igloo around that tent so that the wind doesn't rip the tent to shreds. <laughs> and then you you have skis and on the bottom of your skis, you put these little like felt pads so that you can like kind of stick to the snow and go uphill on them. And so you would ski to a location. So we got dropped off at base camp and then we would ski to where camp one would be and we drop a load of gear. So it'd be like food and fuel and different things that we would need. And then we'd ski back down to base camp and then sleep. And then the next day we'd pack up base camp. We'd ski up to where we buried our stuff and we'd set up the tents, build igloos again and do that kind of thing. And then like the next day it was too far to go to camp too. So you would ski your stuff halfway, bury it. So it doesn't get blown away, go back, sleep, break down your tent, bring your tent past where you buried your stuff as far as you could go and still had time to build your igloo again sleep, wake up, go back down, grab your stuff that you buried, bring it back. I mean, you just inchworm up this mountain. It takes forever. Mm -hmm. And the entire time you need good weather, right? Like, I mean, you it has to be sunny. It has to be because you can't, there's no path. There's no trail. There's no nothing. So every step we're taking, we're testing the ice beneath us to make sure there's not a crevasse or it's not weak or there's not like a snow bridge that we can't see. And so you take your ski pole and you go to the left of you and you poke down, the center of you and you poke down and the right of you and you poke down. You're like, okay, I got rejected. So that means it's safe. So I'm gonna take one step forward and then do that one step forward. And then you have these bamboo sticks that you put into the ground so that you know that this exact path has been tested and it's safe to go. And let me tell you how important that exact path is. Okay, when I was on Everest in 2021, we had a Sherpa pass away. And how did he pass away? We were in kind of this whiteout snowstorm thing, but we're all on the ropes, right? So we're clicking into the ropes and you're moving up along that rope. Well, you're supposed to go to the bathroom and just give everybody kind of like privacy and turn away on the rope. Like you're not supposed to unclick. But the Sherpa is, you know, like 
he's probably done Everest a hundred times, whatever. And so he doesn't, he's not really interested in following that protocol. And he wants to go to the bathroom. He took four steps off the rope and fell to his death in a crevasse because he wanted to pee. And so like, after that happens to you, you're like, I'm staying on this line as tight as possible. So people are like, well, at least you get to ski down. I'm like, no, you don't really get to ski down. It's not like I get to do these wide sweeping turns and have fun. I have to stay on that exact path that was proven because three or four feet to either side of that could have a snow bridge that we haven't tested. And we don't know if it's safe. So wow. it is like this long, arduous passing of time to climb this mountain. And we got to almost camp four. So there on Mount Logan, there's four or five camps, depending on how you set it up. And then a summit push and the weather came in and the parks, Canada, who we report to, to tell them we're alive every day said this next storm's coming in. It's too aggressive. You guys can't continue. I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. Like, no, like, I don't want to give up all this work that we've done. Are you sure? Like, we don't think you'll be able to melt water. Okay. Like, I'm not going to die because I can't melt water. So we had to pack everything up and get picked up off the glacier. And it was heartbreaking, like heartbreaking because it's so much work. And the next year you can't like use any of the stuff you did the year before. You got to start over. Luckily, we had much better weather in 2023 and had an easier time. We got stuck in a storm for a week, but we didn't get stuck in storms like continuously. Um, but that's how it goes, right? Like metaphorical, physical mountains. They're not always a straight shot up. And I don't think that anyone listening to this, I could be completely wrong, would have thought that the mountain in Canada would have been Worse than a mountain in Antarctica, or certainly worse than Everest. And I'm sure you're going to finish this up with K2 here in a minute, but yeah. would have been worse than that over as far as the entire experience. Oh. It, it's hard to imagine you having to do the little step thing that you're talking about, and you got to build an igloo every single time, even in the good weather, right? That's the good right. weather. Oh, no, right. No, right. Because you never know when the bad weather is going to come. So you're always building the igloo. And I'm like, I, like, at first, at first it's horrible. And then there's a point where it's like so horrible, it's funny. So then you're like, okay, well, I like just have to pretend that I'm a, a five-year-old again and I get to play out in the snow and build igloos because that's all you wanted to do when you're five. And so <laughs> then it goes to this phase of fun. And then it goes to the phase of like, I can't believe I'm building an igloo. Like I'm what? I'm doing what? And I'm doing this because it's what keeps me alive. Like, this is crazy. So that was um, Mount Logan in 2022 went back to K2 in 2022, had success, but I got anthrax and K2 in 2022. Oh no. Oh yeah. It was legit. Like what? Okay. So here's what happened. So we're hiking into base camp and I get Jardia, which is kind of unfortunately a common thing to get when you're in these mountaineering worlds, because this, like when you're hiking into these places, the animals go to the bathroom Maybe not everything gets washed out and like, whatever. We don't know where the animals were before and they don't boil the water long enough and you get this intestinal thing and you have diarrhea. It's horrible, but it's not if you're going to get it, it's when you're going to get it. So I got it like a couple of days before we got to base camp. And so then I went on a CPAC because that's what you do to knock it out. So ciproflaxin. So I go on the CPAC, I knock it out. But the unique thing is, is like four or five days later, it comes back. 
I go on a Z pack again, comes back again. And I do this three times where finally the doctor at base camp's like, I don't think this Z pack's working for you. So I don't think you should keep taking antibiotics. I'm like, okay, whatever. I had lost 30 pounds. Oh okay. God. I'm a pretty tiny human. So for yeah. me to lose 30 pounds, it was like insanity to the point where like people are like, I don't know if you're healthy enough to climb this mountain. I'm like, oh, friends, I am climbing this mountain. I don't care <laughs> if I have to stop every five minutes to go to the bathroom. I am not coming back to this country. And so I climbed K2. <laughs> I mean, my body like kind of cooperates. I'm on the mountain and I'm probably not drinking enough or doing whatever, but whatever. I get to the top. I'm on cloud nine that I got to the top. I get back down and I have a phone message on my satellite phone from my kid's camp counselor. So my two oldest sons are at camp in Yosemite National Park while I'm climbing in Pakistan. And this message on my phone is your sons don't like camp and want to check out and they're at the ages where we don't force kids to be at camp if they don't want to. So you need to come back and get them. And here's the fee for every day that we have to assign a special person to sit with them. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Their mother just climbed K2, like the deadliest mountain in the world. I'm pretty sure they can handle Yosemite National Park. So please just work with them. We'll be fine. And he's like, well, sorry, like this is this, this is our protocol. So I am sick as a dog. I just climbed K2 and I'm like, I need to get home. This has costed me a fortune and I'm going to rip these little kids heads off. So we go, I like leave all my gear and it's a, about a, it's like a 55 mile trek out from base camp to where cars are. Okay, so normally like people kind of take their time and it takes a few days and they get out of there. We do this thing in 36 hours because I'm like, I'm going to murder those children. So get me home. So we do our 36 hours. I take a flight home. I get home. I pick them up. The thing about walking is that it's hard to stay angry after 55 miles of hiking. Like you can start the most livid human in the world, walk for 55 miles. And I was mad at myself that I couldn't get back to the point of anger that I wanted to rip their heads off. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it is what it is, but I pick them up, I bring them home and I go to the hospital because I'm like sick and I'm still sick and I'm like not getting better. And I'm in the U S I thought if I ate a salad in the United States, I'd feel better. It didn't work. So I go to the hospital and the doctor's like running tests. Right. And he goes, you were in a third world country? And I said, yeah, I was in a third world country. Like, were you buying any farm animals? I'm like, no, I wasn't buying any farm animals. I was climbing a mountain. He's like, okay, okay. And I'm like, oh, wait, I was by farm animals because they carry in our gear to base camp. And in fact, I'm the person who checked on the farm animals every day because I care about animals. And one day, one of those donkeys sneezed all over me and I was filled with donkey slime and I was so angry and I told the donkey I was never coming to check on him again and the doctor's like okay we need to run another test so they run another test and like anthrax is a normal bacteria around farm animals in third world countries 
maybe even in the U.S. I don't, I just definitely know third world oh. countries. That's why they ask you that question. And if you had a normal immune system, you would fight it off. It wouldn't be enough bacteria for you to do anything. But because my immune system was compromised and we had like wiped out all the good and bad bacteria with the antibiotic, I was immunocompromised. And so I, the, the anthrax got into my system and the ciproflaxin was knocking it back but I wasn't on it long enough to get rid of it. So it kept coming back. And so the doctor said to me, he goes, listen, he goes, I know you're mad at your sons for like quitting camp, but I'm going to tell you something. They're the only reason why you're alive. You have a 40% chance of living right now. Had you gotten home a day later or whatever, he goes, I don't think we'd be able to revert. Like it would be that bad. And I'm thinking, I'm like, it's so amazing how the universe has our back when we're doing things like when we're pursuing life and doing the best we can, there's nothing that would have had me come back at the pace. I came back except my two monkeys being monkeys. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Just a, another nudge, right? Another little reminder, a little reminder, right? little reminder, like listen to the universe. It's going to go. Those whispers are going to become screams. (laughs) <laughs> so then I went to, after that, I went to, um, in, uh, Australia, climbed Australia. That was a fun one because I live at the same height that mountain is. So that's easy. Um, and it was, it was supposed to be an easy hike. Don't ever let the easy word trick you because we went a little early, like Australia in the summer is our winter. And so there was still snow that hadn't melted. So instead of having this like nice dirt path to kind of like figure out, we had, we were post hauling and snow to our thigh for about a mile each up to the end and on the back. And my camera guy was with me. He's like, are you sure you want to continue? I'm like, we're doing this. I'm not coming back to this country. It is far for me. I know you live here close. I do not. I don't care if we have to swim up this mountain. It is happening in this environment right now. So we climbed and we got back and then that left Canada for my last attempt and just did that one June 1st of 2023. Awesome. Awesome. I know wow. it's crazy. And, and so just to get that out there for everyone, that is a world record. Yes. There it is. There it is. There it is. That is seven, seven. And then like the, uh, the coach said with seven kids. So there you go. I know my jackpot. jackpot. Yes. (laughs) And I decided that like, if I take everybody's like, what's next, what's next? I'm like, you know, right now I'm going to focus on what is, but what might sound good as next is maybe like the seven nicest beaches in the world or (laughs) seven (laughs) best margaritas, something, (laughs) something. Well, let me tell you here, here's the bad thing about doing either one of those those are going to be based on people's opinions. Well, so I could have to check out a few extra beaches. I'm just saying. Right, there you go. But you. what you accomplished is not up for debate. What it what you accomplished truly is the second highest. I mean, once once that there's the data to back that up, right? And, and I think the the important part of this takeaway for me anyway is that you got this nudge. You decided you were going to go ahead and do these things, but Wow, it wasn't easy. No, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. And it wasn't always successful the first time you attempted it. Right. You 
you you had to get extra efforts. You had to overcome. You had to make it messy sometimes. Uh, and then once again, one of them almost killed you again, right? Why? Why? And it wasn't even the mountain that got you. I know it it's was the donkey. The, it the donkey. The donkey. <laughs> But that's all part of overcoming, right? That's all part of overcoming things. And as you mentioned, timing is everything. As you know, as a, a mountain climber, doing that is all about timing. As you mentioned multiple times, every one of these mountains only has a certain time that it's even accessible yep. for climbing. So you've got to fit those things in. Well, put that into the business world and into your life. <clears throat> there are certain times that as the old saying goes, you strike when the iron is hot and you don't let those times pass you by. You, you, know, you seize the opportunity, you go whenever that opportunity is there. But at the same time, I think there is something to be uh, said about caution because certainly as you mentioned, a staying on the pathway and not stepping off of it because of the, obviously, the horrible conclusion that can happen even to a someone who's very seasoned in that. Mm -hmm. That, to me, goes back to not recreating the wheel. There are times when a proven pathway is the best one that will, will get you to the result that you're looking for. And I, I think the determining that, discerning that, that's that can be very difficult, but that is when, just like you had to have a coach to help you become successful and, and uh, get to your goals, that's where someone who's been there, someone can coach you through that. I think that's vital. So many of us small business owners don't believe we need coaching uh, because we can make through it, but that's just not the case. It's always great to have someone to, to help you along your pathway, whatever that looks like. Definitely. Definitely. And I mean, even when I took on Everest, right, I didn't know anybody that climbed Everest and everybody who thought I was talking about climbing Everest thought I was crazy. Like, what are you talking about? Why would you want to do that? That's silly. And then you call a coach that's climbed it and all of a sudden it normalizes climbing Everest, yeah. right? He introduces you to a couple of people that have climbed it and you go for a hike with them, you go for lunch with them. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, if you climbed Everest, I can climb Everest. And it's very important when we set these goals for ourselves that are out of our normal realm, that we find people that have done it or have been there or know people who have, because then it expands what we're capable of. Absolutely. And I'm sure you hit on these things. I want to, I want to kind of turn, uh, turn things a little bit here. Um, we talked about the book that you have coming out in January. Yep. Uh, it, it's available for pre-order right now. The name of the book is Breakproof. Yep. And I think it's, I'm sure that not only do you share some of the stories that you have today, but you give a lot more insight into what was going on in your mind and how you were able to overcome some of these things. Uh, obviously, a lot of grit and determination there, but I'm sure there was a lot of other parts of this. Yeah. So what I did in the book is I take you on each expedition okay. and highlight a certain spot of that expedition that illustrates a life lesson. And so then you can see it in a life or death situation, which I think paints the picture pretty crystal clear. And then you can be like, oh, okay, well, this is how it could apply to my situation, which I hope is not life or death and help you get 
further up your mountain or further up your summit. And so, for example, one of the one of the topics I talk about is big mountains take big teams. Okay, so if you're going to have a big goal or this big thing that you're building, you're going to need a big team to do it or you're going to run out of energy. You're going to run out of the, the thing that's making you go forward. So anytime that I got tired, I was like, oh man, do I have a big enough team to help me carry this load up the mountain? And um, so that's one lesson. There's seven different lessons. There's seven different mountains. Seven's my number. And it just talks about building resilience and how you build resilience and what these things look like and the tools and tactics that I used so that you can apply them to your own life. And I'm sure you talk about some of these lessons too in your podcast. So you also have a podcast, you're a podcast host. So tell us a little bit about your podcast, uh, when you do that and kind of uh, what it's all about. So people can hopefully come and uh, join up that and listen to you there as well. Yeah, right. I'm just like you. I love podcasting. I love the people that I get to meet, the stories that they're living, the choices that they make. My podcast is called Seek Your Summit. And um, it interviews people who have had success and have gone from a life of success to a life of significance. So we go through their success story and then we go through, okay, now that they got to that point, to that summit, how are they helping others get to their summit? What are they doing to impact the world and leave a legacy of their own? And it's just fun because there's so many different ways to do life and so many different ways to define success. And I love it. So listen in. Yeah, that, that is very important. Uh, I have an opportunity to speak to different business groups as, as well in, in my speaking engagements. And I think that one of the things we, as business owners, humans, whatever you you, you want to call it, and I think you'll, you'll get this real quick when I say this, Jen, and that is, what is your definition of success? Because your definition of success and my definition of success and somebody else's can be very different. You talk to, let's just say you're talking to someone who has retired, but they're doing something else that they love to do. Their goal is most likely not to become a millionaire doing whatever it is. Their, their goal is to just have fulfillment, just to have something to do, just not sit there. Oh, what'd you do today? I watched my shows. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's not what they wanted to do. They wanted to have some success. So their success is reaching out to you. Their success is when they get to visit with somebody and share what they're, uh, what they're all about, what their mission is, whatever that looks like. Uh, no. But we, we, we tend to place monetary and uh, real, uh, this person's famous. We, we seem to equate that with success in our society when I think that's the furthest from the truth, because success can be so many different things to so many people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And learning to define that for yourself is one of the most important things you can do before you start on any pursuit. No, that's exactly right. Uh, I was, I was talking to a group actually this morning and I think the personalization of your path is so important. I mean, you've got to figure out what your purpose is, but you've got to personalize that too. You've got to personalize. What does it look like? I, I happen to be talking to some folks that were uh, franchise owners as well. And so franchises don't always allow you to do a whole lot of personalization. But there is some personalization that can be there. And that is actually what can set you apart from other franchise owners in the same realm 
and other businesses that are close to you. What personalizes this about you? And that I think that's what really is important in the whole business world is the personalization of it because once again, that goes to success. Uh, mm -hmm. There are some people who their entire goal is to, just to help others. Whatever that looks like financially, maybe there'll be a benefit, maybe there won't. As long as I can pay my bills and have something to eat, then helping others is what my whole goal is. There are other people that their whole goal is to make money. That's it. Uh, sometimes I got to trample on the little guy to do that. I'm not saying that's right, but that's what their idea of success is. Don't confuse the two <laughs> because they're, one's going to help you, one is not. But once again, that doesn't change what their idea of success is. But you've got to come up with your own idea. Definitely. Well, I sure appreciate you being with us today. I, your story is absolutely incredible. Well, I, I am I am very, very honored that you took time out to share that with us. Folks, get out there. Uh, I know that you can actually go to LinkedIn and there's an order to go pre-order Breakproof. Where else can folks go out and pre-order that? Yeah, so find me, jendrummond.com, and that's J-E-N-N. And then Drummond, D-R-U-M-M-O-N-D. And on my website, I'll have all my social channels. So depending on what channel is your favorite, reach out, say hello. I love hearing from guests that are listening in on these episodes. And then on my site, you can order the book. You can sign up for a challenge. You can hire me to be a speaker, all different kinds of fun things. So please, please, please reach out, rank this podcast so other people hear about it. And thank you for your time listening today. All right. Thanks again. Hey, you have a super blessed day. All right, want to remind you guys that uh, coming up on the 31st of October, we're going to have our big LinkedIn audio room. Why does healthcare suck? We're going to celebrate Halloween by doing healthcare horror stories. So make sure you got your great story out there. Uh, we want to hear what has happened in your healthcare experiences, whether that's dealing with insurance, hospitals, doctors, whatever that looks like. Let's talk about that because we're not just going to talk about the negatives. We're also going to have some tips and tricks to avoid those for folks in the future so that when you see something happen, you can, you can kind of head it off at the past. Quick sneak peek. Here's the kind of things that can happen. My mom was in uh, looking to get brain surgery, of all things, here a couple of weeks ago. She looked down as she's sitting on uh, the bed and realized that the name that's on the wristband is not hers. So I had no idea what surgery Miss, Mrs. Martinez was going to have that day, but mom had the wristband for a different patient. These are things that you have to understand can happen and make sure that you don't run into that. Thank the Lord. Uh, it did not turn into a horror story because we caught it before the surgery could happen, but always check those things. This is just an example of some of the many things we'll talk about that day. Once again, thank you so much for being with us today. You guys have a super, super blessed week.